talked a little bit about this this week, uh, last Sunday, and I'm going to uh, continue to talk about it. Just so you know, here's what we're asking you to do. We are asking married couples to go on one date night every week for four weeks. And here's what we want to do. At the end of this series, we're going to have a drawing for the couples that have gone on their date nights and, and let us know that they've gone on their date nights. We're going to have a drawing. Arthur Murray Dance School is giving us two free dance lessons for uh, married couples. And then, hey, singles, don't worry. We're going to get to you in a minute. We've got something for you as well. But here's what we need you to do. We need you to go on Facebook for Date Night Challenge. Make sure that you've liked our River Rock Bible Church page so that you can tag us. So when you take your picture out on your date, you're going to take a picture. You're going to tag River Rock Bible Church, and you're going to use the hashtag date night challenge. And that's going to let us know that you've done that date night for the week. And at the end, we'll do our drawing and you'll have a chance to win a prize. Now, singles, you're saying, well, well, what about us? I'm not married. What do do I get to do? Well, we're going to have an entire message on what it means for us to be good backup singers, right? The whole theme of this series is Hebrews 13, 4, marriage is to be honored by all. Uh, And so we want to all learn how to, to honor the marriages around us. And so singles for you, what we want is for you guys to be good backup singers, and that happens in a number of different ways. The easiest way that I can think of is that you find some of those married people with small kids and say, let me watch your kids so you can go on date night and do your date night challenge. But there are other ways you can be a good backup singer, right? Here's what happens a lot in marriages. Here's what I find a lot as I go and I spend time with other men. What I find is uh, that very few men go out and talk about how great their wife is. And there's this tendency when men gather, they talk about their wives. And when women gather, they talk about their husbands. And they tend to bring up maybe the last thing that frustrated them. And what we need is we need good backup singers that say, hey, I know your wife. And uh, uh, I need you to, to speak kindly about her. Or, hey, I know your husband. And, and I don't think it's right for you to talk about him. And whenever your friend comes to you and says, hey, my husband is so lazy, instead of saying, oh, yeah, you deserve better, how about saying, you know what, uh, I'm going to advocate for your marriage and not for you and not for your husband. I'm going to advocate for the marriage. That's what it means to be a backup singer, that we're going to honor this marriage. And so this isn't about you. This isn't about him. This is about your marriage and what needs to happen. So if you are are a single and you commit to being a good backup singer and you find ways or someone, uh, you honor someone's marriage, then hit that button and say, hey, River Rock Bible Church, here's how I was a backup singer this week and let us know about that because we have a free one-hour massage uh, for you uh, to, to win at the end of this if you win. Because if you're watching my kids, then I know you're going to need it, all right? Because <laughs> if I watch my kids, I need it. So, uh, but this morning, I'm excited this morning to start, uh, as we said, my first, my last, my everything. And again, that sounds good, but really, when we look to someone else to be our first and last and everything, it's going to leave us frustrated and disappointed uh, like nothing else. And so we're going to talk this morning about the source of life. And where do we look for the source of life? We're going to talk about processing our emotions. And men, don't worry, it's not one of those talks, all right? So uh, the Kleenex are there for allergies, not for this sermon, all right? So uh, we're also going to to try to figure out, you know, how do we begin to honor our marriage in this way? How do we begin to plug into the true and only source of life? And I've brought with me this illustration that I do at home a lot with my kids. My daughter's in here this morning, so she's already flinching like uh, this thing right here. And so here's, here's what this is. This right here is the love jug, right? Can you all see this right here? And what's inside there is just Gatorade. 
All right, it just shows up better in the illustration. And so what happens in our house is whenever there's something, uh, the kids start to fight, they start to argue, they start to yell at each other, or they start to blame each other, uh, just like sometimes happens in marriage where you blame each other for your problems. Uh, this is what I do. I go to the kitchen and I pull out the love jug and the kids, the kids see me going for it. And they're like, no, not the love jug, not the love jug. Like some parents, you spank, you try time out, you try taking away stuff. My house, we just have lectures, all right? So uh, we lecture our kids. And the worse you are, the longer I take. So we go and they're fighting and they're arguing. And I say, what is this? What is this? And they go, the love jug, right? So they know what it is, all right? And what does it represent? My heart, good. And who is 110% responsible for your heart? I am. I am. And who fills your heart? God does, or Jesus, right? A lot of times they just say Jesus, because that's nine times out of ten in our house, that's a good answer. Uh, Jesus is a good answer. And so who fills your heart? Jesus, all right? So now we have to ask the question, and this is where we start today. Is your heart open or closed right now? And how full is it? How full is it? And this is the verse we're going to use this morning to start from Proverbs 4.23. says, guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. Some translations say it is the wellspring of life. Jesus tells us that it's not what goes into our bodies that makes us unclean, but what comes out of our mouths, because that comes from the heart. And so it's our heart that either makes us clean or unclean. So we have to guard our heart. It's who we are. It is the wellspring of life. It is the source of life. Now, here's the thing about our heart is that we fill up our heart by our connection with God. But throughout the week, things happen. And I begin to go to our cupboard, and I pull out a bunch of different glasses, a bunch of different cups that I have in our house. Uh, And uh, this one, this first one that I have here is represents my wife. And she is the very first person that I pour into. And so Amanda is the first one that I pour into. And I know that the average woman speaks 20,000 words a day. The average man speaks 80, uh, excuse me, 7,000 words a day. The average woman speaks 20,000 words a day. So I know that I have to give her my words, that I've got to reserve something. So if I'm meeting with someone, If I'm in a counseling session, I know that somehow I've got to either reserve words for her or I've got to find a way to refill my love jug before I get home and have a conversation with her because I'm pouring into her, right? And I'm serving her. The next relationship we have six years ago, um, we had a set of triplets, two boys and a girl, and then we had another little baby girl two and a half years ago. So we've got two baby girls, and if the average woman speaks 20,000 words a day, my two little girls speak about 80,000 words a day each. And for our two and a half year old, um, about 70,000 of those words are why right? So I know that I need to listen to them. I need to be pouring into them. And I love being a dad because Deuteronomy 6 tells me that my job, one of the things that I get to do as a dad is to pour into my kids. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You will love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The statutes that I'm giving you today are to be on your heart. You you are to impress them on your children. Talk about them as you walk along the road and as you sit at home. That's my job. I get to talk to my kids about the Lord, and I get to pour into them. My daughters are pretty simple. Uh, Just listening to them, just being with them is easy enough. Uh, 
Evie, our youngest, loves animals, right? Uh, the other 10,000 words, if it's not why, it's do you have a dog, what's his name, and can I come see him? Like if you've ever met my daughter, I know that she has asked you those questions. Uh, and so we can talk about dogs, and all I have to do is sit and listen to her talk about dogs, and I've poured into her. Not the boys, right? The boys like to wrestle, and everything that they do, they're six-year-old, they're my, they're my uh, mighty, strong warriors, Um, They're my mighty warriors, and they love to wrestle, and everything with them is about weapons and shooting and guns, and and I I had to make sure with my psychology friends that everything's okay, Uh, and they're like, yes, that's normal. There's lots of steps that they have to get to before they're not normal, and so we talk about all these things, and uh, and, and, you know, one of the things, they, they love to go camping, they love to be outside, but all I have to do with my boys is just wrestle. If I wrestle with them, it's great. Uh, So then the next is my parents, and my parents live down in Houston, and so the way I pour into them is I call them once a week or every other week, and sometimes I may just call randomly and say, hey, how's it going? Just checking into them. And for my mom, like, I can hear her tearing up on the other side of the line when I just say, hey, I was calling to see how your Bible study went this morning. She's like, you did? I'm like, yes, I did. And she's like, thank you. All right, she's, uh, she's already lost it. And that's all I have to do to pour into my mom. Um, the next one here is... Um, uh, my father-in-law, uh, excuse me, my mother-in-law, and he, mm, it's my mother-in-law, and we're just going to real carefully make sure, yep, oh, yep, oh, no, yeah, I think that's good, that's good. All right, so, no, I'm kidding, I love my mother-in-law, we have a great relationship, but some of you don't, and you can relate to that, some of you haven't even poured that much in there, right? So, then I get to work. Right? And uh, you, get, you get to work, you have a boss, and your boss is, maybe last quarter was great, numbers were great, but guess what? It's a new quarter. Hey, how are those numbers, Gary? How's it going? How's everything going? Uh, do you, are you staying on top of your numbers? And, and it's the man, it's the woman who's always asking you, like, hey, how's it going? And then every single one of us, we have that guy at work, maybe you share a cubicle with him that just sucks the life out of you. And he just, uh, it's, yeah, he just sucks the life out of you. And he's take, take, take. Everybody has that person. Stephen, don't say anything because all right and then and then you have your friends and we all have this this one friend that's like way too overly connected politically and and they watch whatever left or right wing news organization uh, lines up with their beliefs and they're watching too much fox news and you're like hey how's it going and you're like well we're going to hell in a handbasket that's how it's going and they just suck the life out of you and you're pouring into them and you're pouring into them and quickly what you see is very soon, your love jug is near empty, and it didn't take long. This is just one day. This is just one day, and so we've got to find a way to refill our love jugs. We've got to find a way to keep our love jug full, because the idea is that we would keep our love jugs as full as possible, and we know there are times when we're going to be at half. A lot of things affect that. Our diet, our stress level, um, you know, the amount of rest that we're getting can affect all of those things. How sick or, or how well we're feeling can, can affect those things. But it's our job to stay on top of our love jug and make sure that it stays as close to full as possible. And so we've got to find ways to do that. And when we don't, uh, here's what happens is, um, is we end up becoming codependency. And codependency is sitting around with a near-empty love jug and waiting for these people to pour back into you. And what happens is when they don't pour back into you uh, in, in the time that you want, in the quantity that you want, and how you want it, you get exhausted and you get frustrated 
and your marriage begins to suffer. So we've got to find a way. How do I keep my love jug full without relying on other people? Codependency is when you plug into people, places, or things as the source of life. And this is why our relationships are drained. This is why we get exhausted in our marriage. Because who's responsible for my love jug? I am. I am 100% responsible for making sure that I'm connected to the source of life. I can't rely on other people to begin pouring back into me and, uh, and rely on that to fill me up because it never will. It never will. And, and as I said, there's a lot of things that go into this. Like uh, if you're tired, man, you're, you're starting with a half-empty love jug. And, and we know that this is true, right? Because parents, we, we always look for that kid. We know that kid at church that's missed his nap and is like 10 seconds from blowing, and that's the family that you invite to lunch so that your kids look better, right? We all know how much sleep and food can affect us. But it's our job to make sure that we are staying connected to the true and only source of life. Uh, And I know for me, personality affects this. I can sit and I can have conversation with every single one of you here in the room and go home and still feel full. My wife wants to sit in the corner and have one conversation with one person all night long, and that's it. And that fills her up right? Uh, She's an introvert, and she would say introverts of the world unite tomorrow separately in your own homes, right? That's that's how it goes. Uh, She wants to be by herself. She wants that one-on-one time. Me, I like to work the room. I like to talk to a bunch of people, and there's a number of different things. And and here's the thing is, uh, over course of ministry, I've, I've come to realize that my wife is not responsible for this. My kids are not responsible for this. The congregation of River Rock Bible Church is not responsible for this for me, I am. I am. And so I have to find ways to continually fill my love jug, love jug and make sure that it's full. So let's, uh, let's look at some examples of this and how our, our uh, love jug becomes drained. And what are some ways that it happens? It's, it's for us to understand that we, um, we have to understand that our, our spouse is not the source of life. God is the true and only source of life. And here's what happens. When my spouse is the source of life, I blame them for all our problems. And guess what happens shortly after that? You start blaming them as the source of all your problems, and then you stop serving them. You stop listening. Why? Because she's not pouring into me the way that I want, how I want, and when I want. And so I stopped pouring into her. I've poured and poured and poured. When do I get something back? When do I get poured into? And it never comes, and we just end up feeling frustrated, and the relationship gets exhausted. You want to know the fastest way to help your marriage? It's to unplug from your spouse as the source of life. Stop looking to them to be the thing that fills your heart and connect to the true and only source of life. Uh, and, and what we have to do is we have to get back to a point where we begin serving one another with zero expectation of anything coming back to us. And I don't know about you, I've been on a number of mission trips, and to me, I always come back full. Because when I go to the Amazon, and I'm in a little bitty village that doesn't have any electricity at all, and I'm serving those families, I have zero expectation of them serving me back. In fact, we have an opportunity for you coming up uh, in the next couple of weeks for Mother's Day, we're going to be serving single moms. And we're going to be providing an opportunity for their kids, for single moms and moms with deployed husbands, an opportunity for their kids to make a picture holder like this one. And there's going to be a spot out here for the moms to sit in the shade, drink iced tea and lemonade, and have like conversation with adults for just an hour. 
while some other adults, volunteers, are helping their kids make these and making that investment. And here's the thing. We don't expect to get anything back from them. All we want is a chance to serve them for these single moms and moms with deployed husbands who, who are pulling double duty right now. We, we don't expect to get a single thing back, right? Uh, we just want to serve them. You want to put this into practice? Here's what you do. Today when you go to the restaurant, if you get up to go to the restroom, on your way back, you just stop at a table and say, uh, I'm just wondering, how was everything today? And they'll look at you like, oh, uh, good, uh, I guess. And, and you just keep talking with them. And then they'll say, you know what, thanks so much. This is a, a great establishment that you run here. And then you just say, oh, no, I don't work here. Uh, and then you'll freak them out, right? And they're like, what are you doing? And here's the thing is, why is it so easy to do that? It's because you're not expecting anything in return. You're not expecting anything back. And unfortunately, our marriage is the first place that we stop serving. We stop serving, and we have to maintain that service. We've got to continue to serve our spouses by making sure that our heart is full and connected to the true and only source of life so that we can pour and pour and pour and give them the overflow of our heart without expecting anything back. When we do that, then we know that we're building our marriage. We're going to have a strong marriage. Uh, so you want to go home and, uh, and help your marriage take two steps forward this week. Unplug from your spouse as the source of life. The second thing that we do is uh, our children become a source of life. When my children are my source of life, I use them to impress other people. And this is really scary. This is something that we've fallen for in America. We think that successful kids means that I must be a successful parent. And so the better my kids look to everyone else, the better I look to everyone else. That means I'm doing a good job. I'm a good parent. It's this faulty input-output theory that we think everything we pour into our kids, eventually we're going to get a return on investment. And so we begin pouring and pouring and pouring all these kids. It's why uh, reading is not acceptable. It has to be accelerated reading, right? It's not good enough that they're on a baseball team. They need to be on a travel team. And so we've got to get them in the best schools, the best neighborhoods, the best opportunities, and give them all these best uh, things that come up. Because that means if my kid is successful, that means I am successful as a parent. And we look to our kids as the source of life. And and here's the thing uh, is that we know if you have kids, you know, especially when they're young, They don't pour back into you the way that you pour into them. You don't even get a thank you. Let me tell you what you do get. If you're a parent, you know this. You get those moments where you are alone in the bathroom just trying to have a potty break. And here's what you hear. Mom! This is the ask, seek, knock method for kids, right? Mom! And when you do that, those of you who aren't married or don't have kids, let me me tell you what you do. You remain absolutely still and silent. But here's what happens. If you don't respond to them calling you, here's what you hear next. Mom! They're seeking you. And then if you don't answer, here's what happens. You hear this. You know what you do when you hear that? You reach up and you turn off the light. (laughs) But guess what? They're going to keep knocking. And if you don't answer the knock, the next thing you see is this. (laughs) You can relate to this. You all laugh because you know it's true. You know it's true, and you know that your kids are not going to pour back to you in the same way that you've poured into them. And when you start to use your kids to impress other people uh, or to to, uh, 
as your source of life, you're going to get frustrated. You're going to get empty. You're going to find yourself yelling at your kids more and more, and that's going to take a toll on your marriage as well. And here's what we need to do. We need to slow down our pace of life. Ronald Reagan says that, uh, said that all great change in America happens around the dinner table. We need to slow down our pace of life and be together as a family. Because what I see over and over and over again is most of us, uh, we're like that person that gets to the airport with a suitcase that weighs 48.5 pounds and it's a 50-pound limit. And what do we do with a suitcase that weighs 48.5 pounds? We shove another pound and a half of nonsense into that bad boy because I've got a pound and a half to play with. But I don't see it that way. And parents, we need to stop seeing it that way. What if we said it's, it's 48 and a half pounds, the max is, is 50. What if I took eight and a half pounds out? And I gave myself a little wiggle room. We need to build some margin into our lives instead of stuffing it full of nonsense and things that don't matter. Because what we're doing is we're burning our kids out and we're burning ourselves out and we're running around with these love jugs that are half full because our schedules are overbooked. We just need to slow down and we need to take time to make sure that we and our kids are plugging into the true and only source of life. And I'll tell you, at, at our house, when our kids started kindergarten, we made the decision. I used to say that I would allow myself up to three nights out of the house um, per week for meetings and for dinners and different things like that. No more. We have seven nights a week I eat dinner with my family around the table. Most weeks, right? Every once in a while there's something that comes up. But almost every week, seven nights a week, we're around the dinner table, and it's not fast. We have nowhere to go. There's nothing for the rest of the night except dinner. And we spend time. How was your day? Tell me what happened today. What made you laugh? What made you cry? What frustrated you? What made you angry? And we, and we just slow down, and we pour into our kids, and we make sure that the Word of God is pouring into their life because we want this for them. Um, we, we've got to build margin into our life. The third group that I want us to think about is our parents. And I know some of you are thinking, well, I don't pour anything into my parents. And I want to tell you, you probably pour more into your parents than you think you do. Because there's two ways that we stay connected to our parents. Um, One is through anger. And one is through unresolved anger uh, and uh, and approval. Are two ways that we stay connected to our parents. And here's the problem. When my parents are the source of life, I make decisions based on how they think and feel. I make decisions on how they think and feel. So how many of you drive the same car your parents drive? You vote the way you vote because of your parents. Uh, Some of you are connected to home through that anger that you're just so mad. Maybe your parents aren't even alive anymore, but you're holding on to that. It's like the story of, of the lady who's cooking a pot roast and she cuts the ends off and she's like, I wonder why we cut the ends off the pot roast. And, and her, her daughter says, you know, Mom, what's the reason we cut the ends off? And she says, well, I think it does something for the juices, and it, it makes it cook better, more evenly. And she's like, you know, I don't know. Let me call Grandma. She calls Grandma, and Grandma's like, you know, I, I don't know the answer to that. So she calls Great Grandma. And by the time it gets to Great Grandma, you know what she find out? Great Grandma just had a small pan. And some of us stay connected to our families in that same way, that we don't know why we do what we do, but we're just connected in that way. We need to unplug from our parents, and we need to plug into God as the true and only source of life. I love this moment at weddings. Uh, I've got a couple weddings coming up this summer that I'm doing, but I love this moment where it's the giving away of the bride. And I always slow down the wedding at this, at this time. And this is what I love doing. At the rehearsal dinner, I tell the dad, hey, tomorrow uh, when you get down here, I'm going to ask, who gives this woman to this man? And you're going to say, her mother and I. But that's not it. You're not going to turn around and sit down. I want you to stop, and I want you to speak words of blessing over your daughter. 
And this, I love this part because at the rehearsal, the dad's like, oh, yeah, I got it. Okay, I can do that. And I just laugh because I'm like, bro, you have no idea what's going to hit you tomorrow. And here's what happens every time. I say, who gives this woman to this man, her mother and I? And then the dad turns and he looks. And then this is what everybody hears. Right? And dad's just a mess giving away his daughter, speaking those words of blessing over her. And, and it's great, and I love it. And the other thing that happens at weddings is this. I get, I, it's always the mom. The mom comes up and says, I don't feel like I'm losing a son. I feel like I'm gaining a daughter. I'm like, I say the same thing every time. Nope. You are losing a son. <laughs> Genesis 2.24. Genesis 2.24 says this. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife, and they become one flesh. You have to cut the strings. You're giving away your daughter. You are losing a son. And I always say this. You have to stop calling your son every day. And every once in a while, I get the mom that says, what's the matter with a mother loving his, or a son loving his mother? You see what she did? She equated a phone call every day with her son loving her. I'm like, no, it's not about that. Your son still loves you, but you have to cut the strings. He belongs to her now. She belongs to him. They are in a relationship, and parents are welcome in the relationship. You're welcome in the family, but it does not revolve around you. It is about one man and one woman being united in one flesh, right? We get that, so we've got to cut the strings. And, and before I move from this, let me talk to, to singles real quick. Some of you are single, you're out there, and you're dating, and you're trying to figure out, is this the one? And, and here's the problem is, for singles, relationship formation has changed. It used to be that we based our relationships on decisions. When I walked into Hardy uh, Cafeteria at the University of Mary Hardin Baylor the second week of school, my freshman year in 2000, and I looked across and I saw this beautiful blonde woman, and I said, I'm going to go sit next to her because I'm going to ask her on a a date. So I decided that I was going to sit next to her. I decided that I was going to ask her on a date. And after we'd been dating for a while, I decided that I was going to marry her. And that meant getting someone else involved. So I knew that I had to go and talk to my father-in-law, who is six foot two uh, and a former football player and very, very intimidating, right? But here's what happens today. Instead of making all of those decisions, today we just slide around those. It's called sliding versus deciding. You can find some great articles on it online. And so it's not I'm going to ask her out, but instead I'm going to text her and see if she's going to show up to the party. And if she's going to go to the party, then maybe I'll show up to the party and we'll just keep things loose. And let me tell you, you need to be aware of that and you need to make sure that your relationships are based on sound biblical decisions. Because here's what happens. When you slide around things and you just kind of end up dating, then you also just kind of end up living together and then you just kind of end up having kids together and there's been no decision-making process to go through to form what, what God has designed for the marriage. So you've got to go through those steps. You've got to go through that process, and it also leads very easily to codependency. And, and you can tell in a dating relationship about codependency very early on by the amount of expectations that are put on you just within the first few number of dates, right? How much expectation is put on you in those first few dates will determine whether or not this is a codependent relationship. And it's, I love that Song of, Song, uh, Song of Solomon, chapter 2. He talks about calling out the dove from the cleft of the rock. And, and this is the great thing about dating, is that there needs to be that curiosity and fascination, drawing that man of God out, drawing that woman of God out, finding out who they are. But if you're not careful, curiosity and fascination become replaced with duty and responsibility, right? And pretty soon you find yourself plugged into the, your dating relationship as your source of life and not to God. 
as the true and only source of life. So what's the bottom line this morning? The bottom line is this, that God is the true and only source of life, not you. God is my source of life, not you. And I want us to look at 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse 15. It says this, it says, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in him, and he in God. This verse right here tells us what God's love language is. God's love language is his son Jesus, right? A love language is how you give and receive love. God's love language is Jesus. It's how he gives us love, and it's how he receives love. Amanda's love languages uh, are are uh, acts of service and words of affirmation, which means I get to serve her while telling her how great she is, right? That's what that means. Um, But God's love language is Jesus. And this is how we are to relate to him. It's how we stay connected to him. He only has one love language. And we rely on that love, love language, to stay connected to him as the true and only source of life. And then we read this in verse 19. If you skip down to 1 John, verse 19, we, we go on and we read this. It says, it says, we love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. And here's what we have to understand is that we cannot generate love. We cannot generate forgiveness. We can only give what we have received. This is why that first question, is your heart open or closed, so important. Because if your heart is closed, there's no way you can give love because you cannot give love until you have first received it. God is love. He is the only source of love, and so we can only pour out what he has given us, what we receive from him. If you ever meet someone who's unforgiving, you can know that they're not connected to the true and only source of life, or or at least they don't understand that, that Jesus says, forgive even as I have forgiven you. We have to make sure that we're staying connected to the true and only source of life. And we have to move away from the idea that, that God's supply is limited. And I, I love this because this is how so many of us operate. Uh, we operate as if God has a limited supply, as if, as if it's limited to us. And so we think, oh, well, I went to church this week on Sunday. I'm full. And then we get to about Tuesday and our love jug's half empty. And we're running around biting people's heads off and we wonder what's wrong. Why, why are we not full? And here's, here's the thing. And I, I, this is the absolute worst line you can give when you leave a church. I'm just not being fed. Listen, if you're coming to service one day a week, if you're listening to one sermon a week and you think that is going to fill you up and keep you fed, you are not connected to the true and only source of life. You are connected to a church. You are connected to a pastor. You are not connected to the true and only source of life. You need to be connected to the true and only source of life daily, allowing him to pour into you, to fill you up so that what comes out of the overflow of your heart would never be full. It's, it's the scarcity mindset. It's when you get the knock on the door, and uh, I've had this happen to me. Uh, they knock on the door and they say, sir, uh, we're doing some construction down the street and we're going to have to turn the water off for, for about an hour. And you're like, ah, fill the bathtub, fill the sink. What's wrong? Sir, it's only an hour. Yeah, but I'm thirsty. We're going to run out of water. It's that scarcity mindset. It's the same thing that happened when we heard that Bluebell was shutting down. Who remembers that? We all ran out and like, honey, get in the car. We got to go to HEB. There's going to be a run on Bluebell. And there was, but guess what? They came back. They came back. And we have this unlimited supply of Bluebell now. 
In fact, I got some people that are going to come up and help us pass this out. I've got one for every one of you um, because I was tired of hearing, hey, you know, Stephen gave us ice cream one time in one of his sermons. So Stephen gave you ice cream, but I'm giving you bluebell. So there you go. Uh, but hopefully not listeria. Let's, let's pray for that. All right. So it's in there. There's enough for everybody to have one. Uh, and if, if your kids find out that you had one and... Uh, they want one, you can just tell them life's not fair. Uh, they can come to big church. So everybody gets one. There's spoons in there also to begin passing those out. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, but we, we, here's the blessing. The great thing about this is we are connected to the true and only source of life, and it is an unlimited supply. And God's people said... Amen. It is an unlimited supply that we are connected to him and he fills us up every day when we wake up. We ought to start with prayer, getting into his word, allowing, allowing our hearts to be filled by him so that we can pour into other people. Because here's the problem is when we have that scarcity mindset, we begin to think, well, I can't pour into you that much because I've got to save some for someone else. So I've got to reserve some. But when we're connected to the true and only source of life, that's not an issue anymore. We can pour and pour and pour and pour and know that all we have to do is come back and connect with God. We connect with him. We allow the wellspring of our heart, of our life to be filled up by him. So my question to you this morning is, is your heart open or is it closed? Is there unresolved anger in your life, resentment, bitterness, frustration? Are you relying on other people to be your source of light? Is your heart open or, or close, you have an unlimited supply. We know the true and only source of life is God and God alone. And you want to know what the absolute best marriage is? You're, you're going to want to write this down. The absolute best marriage is two people, husband and wife, who are both connected to the true and only source of life. That is the absolute best marriage you could ever hope for. And I know some of you here this morning uh, you're in a difficult marriage right now because you're the only one in your marriage who's connected to the true and only source of life. You're the only one connected. And, and it's easy uh, for you to feel like this is a time to flee, this is a time to run away, but it's not. Stay connected to the true and only source of life. First Peter 3 talks about how a gentle and quiet spirit that is being cultivated is, is of great worth in God's sight and how God can use that to then connect the other spouse to the true and only source of life. This is why when I, when I do weddings, uh, a lot of couples nowadays, they don't do the unity candle anymore. But when they do, you guys remember the unity candle where you take the two candles, you light the one in the middle, and then what are you supposed to do? You blow out the individual candle. I tell them, don't blow it out. Don't blow out the individual candle. Here's why. Because the unity candle represents your marriage journey. The individual candle represents your faith journey. And you still have to be two people connected to the true and only source of life. You've got to stay connected. Don't blow that candle out. Let that flame continue to burn for you. And staying connected to that true and only source of life who is an unlimited supply. So my question for you this morning is, are you connected to the true and only source of life? Are you connected? The way we do that is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you have yet to put your trust in Jesus Christ, you can know that it is by faith alone that we connect with God. God's love language is Jesus. We saw last week with the resurrection that God gives freely. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, it is by grace you are saved through faith. 
And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works. It's not about our church attendance, not about how good we are. It's about faith in Jesus Christ and Christ alone. That's how we begin to connect to the true and only source of life. Maybe you're here this morning and your marriage is really struggling. I want to challenge you. Go home and serve your spouse. Unplug from your kids, unplug from your parents, and unplug from your spouse as the true and only source of life. And plug into God, the unlimited, true and only source of life. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that that you, through your son Jesus, we have an unlimited supply connecting to the true and only source of life. Lord, we ask that as we leave here today that you would help us to stay connected to you every single day, that we would be able to pour and pour and pour out of the overflow of our hearts into the people around us without any expectation of them pouring back. Lord, I pray for the marriages here this morning of those who are struggling, those who are listening online and their marriage is struggling. I pray that, that even if it's just one spouse, that they would remain connected to the true and only source of life and that through that you might bring reconciliation. Father, I pray for the marriages here um, that are hurting and that desire to get better. Lord, that through this series, as we continue to look into your word, discover about your design for marriage. Lord, that you would bring healing and restoration just as we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus Christ last week. We pray, believing that you can resurrect even a dead marriage. And that brings you honor and glory. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.